Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about the Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays in Placentia, California at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. Welcome to Vox. If you don't, if you thought you were attending a school function today, uh, you are in the wrong place. Um, we are a three-week-old uh, church that is launched with the mantra, a mantra to be safe to belong, and we mean it. We believe the church should be the safest place for every kind of person out there to wrestle through every kind of issue there is. And what that means is that if you're here and you're a Republican, you're welcome. <laughs> if you're Donald, oh, Tony, Tony. AJ, congratulations on the win. Okay, 4-1 right here, AJ. Soccer, sorry guys, it's a big deal. Um, uh, if you are a Donald Trump supporter, you're, you're welcome. If you're a Hillary Clinton supporter, you are welcome. Um, we believe that Jesus doesn't see uh, orientations and he doesn't see political parties. What Jesus sees are hearts with backstories and uh, people that he dearly loves. So that's what all this is about. So what we're going to do... Um, I want to let you know just a couple of things. First of all, if you want to find out more about us, we have a website you can access right now, voxoc.com. On there is a form you can fill out to give us your information. We will not spam you, but we will just say, hey, here are the next steps uh, for uh, things you may want to find out about. We're doing something called a new to Vox dinner at our house in the middle of June. We have room for 40 people. If you're interested in finding out more about us, we also have a podcast that talks about a bit about the church you may want to listen to as well. Lastly, uh, we hope that you stick around after. Um, so there's coffee and Jenga and all those sorts of things. And I particularly want to meet you if you are a high school or college student. I want to meet all of you, but I want to particularly meet you if you're a high school and college student. I've got a couple of questions for you specifically that I'd love to ask you. And then I think that's it. Oh, last thing. Um, the great thing about the, the tribe that's gathering is it's all kind of people. So if you're here and you're not somebody that is a huge fan of Jesus or church, we're so glad you're here. We really, really deeply are glad that you're here. And you, there's no expectations on you. If you just want to sit there and do this, fantastic. Cross your arms with as much vigor as possible. If you're going to fight staying awake, fantastic. Let me get you a pillow. I produce the greatest naps in the history of the world. Uh, uh, you'll see some people standing and singing. Let them do that because, you know, when we're at rock concerts or sporting events, people do that. And there are a few of us running around here who happen to be big fans of this Jesus character. But you really have permission to do whatever it is that you'd like to do, except eat and drink in the auditorium because it's a rental. Now, uh, for us, for our community, this is the central picture. So, so the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about a, a, a dining room table. And a dining room table in the first century was a place of cultural warfare, similar to our bathrooms today, similar to marriages today. The table was a place of cultural warfare in the first century. And we've talked about this a little bit. You had people uh, who were Jewish, who lived in the nation of Israel, who were very, very concerned with the fact that they were being oppressed by a foreign power, the Romans. And the issue was this. Hey, if we're God's chosen people, 
then how come these godless pagans are running our lives? And there were different answers to that question. Some people thought it was a political issue, and so they took up armed revolt against the Romans. Some people thought, no, 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 if you can't beat them, join them. And so they just collaborated with these guys. Others thought it was a spiritual issue. And so you had monk-like groups that went out to the desert and just worried about being righteous. And then you had a group called the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the most religiously zealous people in Israel. And for them, the way to deal with the Roman oppressor was to follow more rules and to be more righteous. So they added a whole bunch of rules around who you could eat with, what you could eat, how you washed and used the utensils. I mean, it was nuts how many rules there were. Jesus, of course, gets in trouble all the time at mealtime. First of all, he never says no to a meal. And can we all agree that, that I follow that? <laughs> and, then, and then the second thing about Jesus is that Jesus eats with anybody. It didn't matter who you were or what you were like, Jesus would eat you. Eat you. He was not a zombie. After his resurrection, he was not a zombie. No, Jesus would eat with you. Now, so what you have, if, if, so we're big fans of the scriptures. If you're not, that's just fine. There's so much wisdom here. You don't have to believe it's the word of God or whatever to benefit from it. But there are some stories about what Jesus was like, particularly around the table, that we just want to hold out before us to talk about how different Jesus is from often the way he's portrayed by Christians. And, and it's not like we've got him figured out, or we're, we're not without our own hypocrisy. No, 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 it's not that. It's just we're dissatisfied with the way Jesus comes across, because it's not who he actually is. And so he was very surprising around mealtime. In this particular instance, he was eating at the house of a Pharisee. Go to Luke, if you have a Bible, or on your phone. Go to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. If you, don't have a, if you don't have a Bible or phone, great. We'll put everything up here. Now, in the ancient Near East, mealtimes were places of huge expected hospitality. So if somebody came in to have lunch with you, this wasn't like going to McDonald's you would extend hospitality, and you would do three things to welcome them culturally. First thing you would do is you would offer them water to wash their feet. Because how, how many tennis shoes did they have in the first century? Zero. How much animal dung filled the streets and animal urine and human waste, right? Your feet were literally the filthiest part of you. The lowest job of a slave was to wash the feet of somebody else. And so a host would be expected to give you water to wash your feet. A host would greet you with a kiss on your cheek or on your hand as a way of uh, extending friendship. And then the, the host was expected to anoint your head with olive oil to say that you were welcome. And one last bit of background before we get into this. Meals in the ancient Near East Republic, that's why Jesus got into trouble you didn't have a dining room back in the day. What you would have is you would have, if it was a middle kind of class house, you would have a courtyard either attached to the house or you'd have a bunch of rooms surrounding a courtyard so that people who weren't invited to eat could come and watch. And it was typically the poor people that would come and watch. They were hoping for food. 
the blind, the lame. I mean, anytime there was a religious gathering like this, people would come hoping for healing or teaching or something. There was one big rule, though. The people on the outside of the courtyard were never to approach the people inside, all right? With all of that in view, and if you're thinking, hey, I thought we started with music. This is music. <laughs> this is music. At least to my ears, if no one else is. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, when you see the word reclined, that doesn't mean there was a lazy boy there. And after Thanksgiving, he's going, oh, I ate too much. Bruce, fire up the pictures. Reclining at the table was a bit different. Do we have pictures? Did I mention this is our third week? It's a tight ship. Okay, so let me paint the picture for you. So what you would do, now pictures jump up. Tony, come on. You recline at the table, bro. I have no doubt about that right there. All right, so what you would do is the table would be about, I don't know, two feet high. And there would be cushions. You didn't have chairs. And what you would do is you would actually... You would actually be laying down, and you'd lean on your left elbow, and the person next to you was on their left elbow, and the person next to them was on their left elbow, with your feet kicking out behind you, and you would eat with your right hand. You didn't have forks. You would just use your hands. And the left hand was unclean for reasons we will not get into. And your right hand was the clean one. And so you would just all be reclining. You'd literally be on this elbow reclining. And we had a picture. Now, so Jesus is here in a courtyard of a Pharisee's home doing this. Now, verse 37, this. Whew, a woman in that town All right, verse 37, let's do it. Are there people, are, are there people alive? That, oh, there we go, okay. It's a tight ship. It is a tight ship. A woman. Oh, oh, reclining. I give you reclining at the table. How uncomfortable does that look? That looks awful. All right, do we have the next one? So this is kind of an artist's rendering of what it, it might look like. This was some sort of computer program. Right, so there you go. That looks a little more comfortable, doesn't it? Hey, it's an artist's rendering. I don't, my wife's correcting me. They're eating with their left hand. All right, turn the pictures off. Good Lord. Boy, how'd the new church go today? We don't have a Yelp page, do we? Everything was great except that sweaty guy who didn't know his right from his left. All right, Luke. All right, Bruce, 36. Oh, thank you. Here we go, verse 37. A woman 
in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, keep that up there. A woman in that town. No, no, back. Yeah, there it is. Ah. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life. Now, that's a very Jewish way of telling you that this isn't um, somebody who's made a couple of mistakes. This is someone who screwed up when they were young. This is like a stain and a blemish on the town's honor. Most likely, it's a prostitute. And her presence at a party like this would be viewed as similar to the flu bug that comes home with your toddler, right? I mean, she would have been a contagion. She would have been somebody who had infected everybody else, particularly among these religious types. So when it says a woman who lived a sinful life came to see Jesus, all right, so she could come to the outside of the courtyard, but she doesn't stop there. The text says a woman who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the house, so she came with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, the jar of perfume was one of the tools of her trade. You didn't have deodorant, and so one of the ways uh, that you would engage in the occupation of not being stinky, thank you, Justina, is that you would have uh, perfume. And so... So she, she hears that Jesus is in town. She must have had some sort of previous encounter with him to know who he was. So she brings the only thing she has of any value, and it's this jar of perfume. And the text says, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. So how many tears does it take to wet someone's foot? quite a bit. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now listen, culturally, oh my goodness, this is about as crazy a scenario as you could ever get. Religious dinner, reclining at the table, rule number one, someone from the outside never approaches someone on the inside. Here she comes with a jar of perfume. She sees the feet of Jesus. How, and how stinky, messy, awful are his feet? She sees that they're still dirty. She begins to wet them with her tears. She lets down her hair, which in that society was um, considered very risque and a sign of loose morals. And she begins to wipe his feet. So he's making, she's, her tears are making kind of mud. And she's wiping and she's kissing his feet. I mean, this, this. The dinner party came to a screeching halt. Can we agree? I mean, this was, this was ridiculously inappropriate. And what was even more scandalous was that Jesus didn't stop her. So the Pharisee, the religious guy, verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. All right, teacher, go ahead, Simon said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them, now a, a denarius, a singular, was one day's wage. So, 
50 days wage was owed by one person, 500 days wages was owed by another. So significant amounts back in the day. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 days wages, the other 50 days wages. Neither of them had the money to pay the money lender back. So the money lender forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of the two debtors will love the money lender more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. All right, now that's a huge insult. So this person wasn't a friend of Jesus. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her, hair, with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, right? That's customary. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, right? So the host was actually insulting to Jesus. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to this woman, your sins are forgiven, which is a huge deal because God's the only one that can do that. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Now this, we could spend all day on how ridiculous this whole scenario is. Just picture you're at a wedding and at the part of the vows, here comes the ex-girlfriend of the groom who worked in a dance club at an inappropriate dance club who strips down right in the middle of the wedding. And I mean, and just the whole thing comes to this ridiculous, I mean, inappropriate, just scandalous, crazy halt. That's that, that, that is how this would feel. She comes into the inner courtyard. You should never do that. She touches Jesus. She lets down her hair. She weeps over his feet, his slimy, muddy feet. She kisses them. All of this was inappropriate. And so, of course, the religious guy, what's the religious guy think? There's no stinking way Jesus is a prophet because he should know what kind of woman this is. But Jesus knew his thoughts and said, hey, I got a question for you, bud. Two people owed a bank. One a lot of money, one not as much, but neither could pay. The debts get forgiven. Who will appreciate the bank more? Well, the one that had the bigger debt forgiven. That's right. You see this woman, you see how outrageously she has demonstrated love? That just shows you she's had a deep sense of her need for forgiveness because she is loving much. But you, you didn't even extend me the barest courtesy. And that just shows your heart loves little. Now don't miss the genius of what Jesus does here. How does Simon see this woman? What's the word he uses? She's a sinner, right? Simon sees this woman through the lens of religion, through the lens of rule keeping, through the lens of judgment. 
This woman is contagion. This woman is an infection. This woman is an embarrassment. This woman should never be caught here. This woman is a scandal. This woman is a stain. I mean, you can just hear the religious list of Simon's judgment. And then he looks at Jesus, and how does he see Jesus? Oh, Jesus is a compromiser. Jesus is soft on sin. Jesus is not a prophet, because he would know. Right? Can you hear that? Do you hear that? What's the man do? What's Jesus do? How does Jesus see the woman? She has a heart. She has a story. She is not her religious pedigree or her list of sins. And because she knows this, she is willing to embarrass herself socially just to pour out thank you. And then do you see the trap that Jesus sets for the religious guy? (laughs) It's genius. Right? Because religion is the best way to hide from God. Convincing, the, convincing yourself that you've got it together, that you believe the right things, that you're doing the right things, that's the best way to keep yourself convinced God is just perfectly happy and that you don't really need him. And so here's what Jesus does. The implication of the two debtor story is this woman loves extravagantly because she knows she needed rescue. And she's so grateful to have found it outside of your religiousness. You, on the other hand, you think you don't need forgiven in the same way that she does. And so you don't even extend me the barest courtesy socially. And so the trap is this. There is no issue. There is no sin. There is no mistake. There is no stain. There is no screw up that keeps people far away from Jesus. If you come stumbling into one of his parties, guess what he's gonna do? Right here, it's for you. The only thing that keeps people from seeing the beauty and magnificence of Jesus is the self-righteous pride that renders the judgment that you don't need it. That's it. That's the whole story in one picture. That's his whole ministry. People who are hungry and thirsty, people who are broken and sloppy and desperate and addicted, all of those people, welcome to the table. All the religious people, you're welcome too. But they couldn't see his beauty because they were convinced they didn't need it. And so some of us sit and we come from very church kind of places. And it's so freaking easy to look around and think, oh yeah, that person needs forgiven. Oh yeah, that one, that's notorious right there. And we just catalog our pet little sins, which always are the ones we don't struggle with. Right, you'll never hear me preach against gluttony, ever. (laughs) It's just a sign of God's blessing, okay? That's in the Bible somewhere. But what you'll see instead is you will see Jesus constantly talking to the religious people about how their religiousness can get in the way. And so out of love, he confronts this guy. So I imagine there are a few of us who, like me, can sometimes think, oh yeah, look at all that I'm doing, God, and you're lucky to have me on your team. 
And Jesus kind of goes, hey, let me tell you a story. Your love for me is a great indication of whether or not you've gotten the fact that you need it. But then there are some of you, because I've met you, and you've been judged by the church, you've been cast out, you've been told you're not clean, your family has disowned you, you're not religious enough, you're not faithful enough, you're not dedicated enough, you don't know the right answers, you still have your doubts, you're the wrong sexual orientation, whatever it is that you've been told that keeps you out of here, nope, Jesus never played that game, not once. So this table, this table's for you. He'd eat with you. He'd eat with you. He'd absolutely eat with you, even though He might get heat from the religious people who didn't care. Never once cared. If you interrupted one of his parties, he'd be thrilled you were there. And he'd welcome you. So you have to understand that part of the repentance of the American church has to be the re-embracing of all that this meant in the first century. That for those of you who are here that are huge sinners, it's for you. This is for you. If it's not for you, it's not for anybody. It's for us. And, and sinners are the only kind of people there are. So it's for all of us. Welcome. This thing is for people with unclean slates, and that's the only kind of people there turn out to be. So we do something pretty radical. We, we practice something called an open table, which means we don't warn people away from taking the bread and the cup, because it's for you. Wherever you are, whatever you call yourself, that none of that matters. Jesus doesn't see the way you self-identify. He sees you. And he doesn't see how the church has identified you. He sees you. So, we're going to do a couple of things. First, we're going to sing. So for those of you who are church people are like, I've I got to sing. Give me some music. <laughs> okay, we're going to do that. And if you're not a church fan, you're going to be like, okay, here we go. Love songs to boyfriend Jesus. Okay. All right, we're going to do three of those. Endure it, because then a guy named Rick is going to come up and share his story as somebody who's approached this Jesus as a really screwed up guy. And then we're going to celebrate the Eucharist together, the Lord's Supper. It's the bread and the cup. It's called communion, called many things, but it's for you, no matter where you are today or where you come from. So, you're more than welcome to stand, sit, fall asleep, walk out. If you want to give money, we will always say yes to that, just for the record. Kidding. No, no, I'm not kidding. We, we, could, we could use the help, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but here's what I want to do. I want to pray, all right? Now, good Christian people close their eyes. So for all of you that will be staring at me, I'll make inward judgments about you. <laughs> Okay. All right, so Lord Jesus, I, I think we cannot even remotely begin to grasp how amazing you are. And I am so sorry that I've contributed to the pollution of your image in the world. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself as only you can through the scriptures, through the songs that we sing, through the practices of your community. To be a people who really are all, are all are welcome. And particularly for those who are totally convinced, man, we've blown it, 
There's no way. I, I pray specifically for them. That God, you would show yourself to be exactly the way the scripture speaks of you. As someone who welcomes everyone to the table. So Lord, we sing now in praise and honor of you. Amen. Amen. All right, this is Rick. Can you say hello to Rick? Hello, Rick. Hi, my name is Rick. Hold I'm on, a... hold on. Sorry. No, the clipboard Sorry. has to be commented upon. Well. Because you're a coach. I am. No, there I you am. go. There Do you, you want me to get a la- uh, like a little tab, a little laptop, iPad things? Yes. I'm not that intelligent, so right. I'm all about clipboards. My name is Rick. I'm, uh, I think I'm forever known as the screwed up guy now, thanks to Mike. <laughs> um, False. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I just wanted to come out here today and kind of tell you my story. Um, again, my name is Rick. I am a recovering, sober, alcoholic addict whose story is kind of different than a lot of people's here um, as far as, you know, normal Christians or church-going <laughs> Christians, where I came to Christ much later in life than most people. I didn't find out about Christ and, and get serious about Christ until my early 40s. I found Christ in my 30s, and I didn't get serious about it until my, uh, until my early 40s. Um, so I'm kind of new to this in a lot of ways. I was actually raised a Jehovah's Witness for the first 15 so years of my life, and I never really bought into the, the idea of being a Jehovah's Witness. For whatever reason, I just never bought into it. Um, so I left the congregation at about the age of 15, and then for about the next 20 years, I was not a really good guy. You know, I drank a lot. I did a lot of drugs. I hurt a lot of people. I did a lot of bad things. I ended up in jail a couple times. And um, don't go to jail. <laughs> Jail's not fun. If jail is currently on your bucket list, please remove it. AJ. Okay? Yeah, don't cross it off, because that means you've been there. Just remove it, okay? Um, so I finally got a point in my life where basically I felt compelled to be a better person. Basically, I just want to stop being a jerk. Um, so I looked around at some of the other people in my life, my brothers, my, some family members, some friends, and I kind of wanted to do what they were doing. Because I found myself at a place where before I really came to Christ, I blamed God for all the bad things in my life, but I never thanked him for all the good things in my life. And that's not fair. Okay? I would say, you know, God, if you love me so much, why am I back in jail? And he would go, because you're a moron. You're not doing the things you know you should be doing. Don't blame me for not following the advice I'm giving you. Okay? So I kind of turned to... You have way too much fun with this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're great. (laughs) You have way too much fun with this. You're so nice now. I'm trying to picture you as a jerk. It's tough. Oh. oh. It's tough. Um, So one of the stories I like to tell when I give this story is when I was a kid, um, back in the day when we actually worked on your cars... And I was changing the oil on my car, and I didn't have a very good tool set. So my tools basically were like a pillowcase with a screwdriver in it. So I'm changing the oil in my car, and I'm yanking on the, the, re- the wrench with the, uh, the wrong tool, and it breaks off, and I actually cut my hand open. I have a little scar on my hand to this day. And my dad was in the garage doing whatever dads do in the garage on Saturdays, and I'm cursing, and I'm bleeding, and I'm, 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 I'm like, Dad, give me some help. And my father was a big guy, and he pushed me out of the way. He dove into the car. He opens his tool case, and all his tools are nice and then 
neat line, they're shiny, he's like, oh, and the tools are all set. And he's like, Rick, wrench. I'm giving him a wrench. And I'm giving it, and we got the work done, we got the car fixed, and it was a really cool bonding moment for me. And I remember talking to my dad, and I said, Dad, why didn't you help me? You saw me there struggling for all that time. And you know what he said? You didn't ask. You didn't ask for my help. And that's all it took. And I imagine God the same way. When I'm messing up or when I was screwing up in my past, God was hunkered down. He was ready to jump in and help. All I had to do was ask. So that's kind of how where I started really following Christ a lot more. I got introduced to a mutual friend, Aaron Kerr. And he introduced me to a passage in John, which everyone knows. I'll read it to you guys real quick. It's John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not be perished, but have eternal life. Now, don't get me wrong, guys. 3.16 is great, but it's 3.17 that changed my life. And that says, for God did not send, I'm sorry, for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but the world be saved through him. Re growing up, I always felt God was a punishing God, that God didn't like me. But when I realized that God did like me and he was there to help me, is what turned things around for me. So where I'm at now, you know, Mike and I have talked about it. Um, I've been a Christian for the last 12 years. I've been totally clean and sober for the last six. And although I still struggle, although I still struggle on a daily basis with a lot of difficulties, as we all do, God is there to help. But man, you guys have to ask. And then you have to be ready to do something more. So much like the lady in the parable that we talked about earlier, it's never too late to come to God. And if you're here today and you are a non-Christian and you are feeling compelled to be here, I ask you to honor that. I ask you to respect that emotion that you want to be here. Because one of the things I always challenge my guys to do, my athletes to do, is to look at yourself and try to be a better person today than you were yesterday, but not as good as we're going to be tomorrow. And we just keep doing that every single day. Um, again, my name is Rick. Thank you very much. Awesome, Rick. Nope, stay here. Nope, stay here. Stay here. So we have a huge value for uh, hearing our stories. And so um, if you want to tell yours, we would love to hear from you and love to have you up here because we think there's permission given when uh, you hear from folks and you realize you're not alone in the struggles that you have and you realize that Jesus is beautiful, way more beautiful than we ever suspected. And so um, what we're going to do now is we're just going to open the rest of the service to um, something we just call response. And what that means is this, we'll have um, tables or stations, so two here and then two in the back, and it has the bread and the cup. And this is called communion or the Eucharist, or the Lord's Supper. And we invite you, wherever you are, to take some of the bread and to dip it in the juice and then to eat it. And this, has been so, this is a practice Christians have done um, since Jesus inaugurated it 2,000 years ago. And it is a reminder and a participation of the good news that God has seen fit to reconcile people to himself. And to do that through this Jesus of Nazareth. And so, even if you're not buying it, even if you're struggling with that, just wherever you are, you're welcome. He would eat with you. He would invite you to the table. Then, next to these stations are going to be folks that have lanyards on that just, uh, they just say uh, prayer. They're there to pray for you. 
And all that is is an acknowledgement that we're all in over our heads, and there's some folks who are highly trained prayer Jedis, guaranteed prayer answers or your money back. Um, <laughs> Uh, you'll get an answer. You may not like the answer, but you'll get an answer. Uh, but they're available all around the communion stations. Um, if you want to give us your info, there are two ways to do that. One is to go on our website and fill that out. And then there are cards that are called new to Vox cards. And those and any financial uh, participation you want to do, go in these boxes. You see those boxes over there? They're called participation boxes. You are surrounded by some of the most generous people in Orange County. We have a team of 80 that has carried this thing. People serving in children who don't get to come to take care of your kids. People who've given so sacrificially so that we can afford to do this. Uh, and if you're uh, called or invited or inspired to participate in that, that's where that goes. And then finally, uh, we just invite you to let the words kind of wash over you. If you don't know the songs, that's just fine. Um, you're more than welcome to sit, to think, to pray, to ponder. But to turn into this time, I wanted Rick to read uh, the passage that kind of sets up the bread and the cup before we take it. Okay, this is out of 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was to be betrayed took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. And also said after supper, and, and took the cup also after supper, saying, This is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So the table's open. You're more than welcome to respond. However, God would lead you. Let me pray. And uh, then we'll just kind of go wherever we go. Lord, thank you for the bread and the cup that remind us that a price was paid and an invitation was extended. And um, like Rick said, um, among us, the greatest of sinners, uh, we're welcome and that we can come. And, uh, and so we do, we do ask you for help. Help us to believe you're good, help us to believe you're real, help us to believe that grace is given. Help us to believe that you're infinitely more beautiful than what we've ever thought about you. And help us to believe, God, it is possible to encounter you today and to see life transformed by your mercy, your grace, your truth. So we love you and we honor you now with our singing. Amen. Amen. Thank you, bro. So normally we have two gyms for your children, but one of them's getting resurfaced because it's a rental. And so we've got all your kids crammed into one gym, so make sure you, you get them and take them with you. The, the, the re-gymming will be like two weeks, so just know if you come back, it's all in the same gym for a while. Lorraine, hello. I couldn't get to you. You were surrounded by too many people. Hatchers, good morning. Glenn, Glenn and I lived together in the early 90s, in the midst of Pearl Jam, in the midst of grunge, from Ohio, we both had hair, and uh, I was skinny. So I know, you can't even picture it, huh? My kids say, Dad, I can't even imagine you thin. I just, I remember life when you weren't here, and it was great. (laughs) 
Uh, so thank you for the grace that you show us as we're trying to get our act together. Um, this is a big day uh, for the Vox team, so we're so glad that you would be here to share it with us, and we're really, we're really glad you're here. Um, as you go, uh, give us your info if you'd like. High school, college, and everybody else, come see me. Uh, I'll be over here somewhere. Um, ah, there was something else I was supposed to say. I don't remember what it is. So Jesus, take the wheel. All right, let me pray. And we are going. So um, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And may he give you, you, may he give you peace in these days. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.